Welcome to Imperial City and to the first episode of The City That Never Dies. I'm Ree, the GM and editor. If you're joining us as a fan of our previous show, The Magpies, we're so glad to have you with us on this next adventure. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Let me tell you a little bit about the show. We're playing Blades in the Dark, an RPG about scoundrels on the margins of society trying to claw their way to the top of the underworld, all while evading the lure of their vices and the consequences of their actions. It's about daring heists, dangerous alliances, and hard choices. For this story, we built out a brand new setting, Imperial City, the capital of the Empire, set in a Roaring Twenties-inspired era. It felt like the perfect time and place to set our band of smugglers loose. If you enjoy what you hear today, please take some steps to support us. We've got a pay-what-you-want Patreon, where any amount of money each month will get you access to all future bonus content. We've also got a merch store with t-shirts and stickers featuring logos from The Magpies, The City That Never Dies, and Clever Corvid's Productions. And of course, please leave us reviews wherever you can. This is a new show on a new feed, and reviews are a great way to help people find it. Next, I'd like to tell you about this month's featured charity. Refugee One is a Chicago-based organization that supports newly arrived refugees as they settle into their lives in the Chicago area. Their support ranges from finances to housing, from food to toys, from mentoring to tutoring to job placement. They're preparing for a few hundred Afghan refugees to arrive in the next few months and could use some extra help. Visit refugeeone.org slash donate if you're able to support them financially. If you happen to be in the Chicago area, check out their website for other volunteer and donation opportunities. Now then, let's get started, shall we? We open up on a film. Black and white images of train passengers flicker past, a little grainy, a little jittery. The train car in the film is spacious and bright, and everyone inside is dressed in the latest fashions. Two men sit side by side, holding hands as they read a newspaper, the headlines filled with tales of fame and fortune. A young person checks their makeup in a small compact, and two children run to the train windows and point outside in excitement. The film's title appears, Welcome to Imperial City, the City of Light. Then the film fades away into reality. Still a train car, but this one is crowded, A few of the bulbs are burned out, and luggage and people are crammed into the narrow seats. But even so, they hurry to the windows and peer out as the conductor announces, Next stop, Imperial City! Some cities never sleep. This is the city that never dies. We swoop out from the train car and see the city itself, a gleaming beacon built on cliffs surrounding a large, dark bay. Skyscrapers reach towards the stars above, ships of every size move across the water, and our train rattles away across a massive suspension bridge built over the bay. And above it all, at the highest point of the city, sits the Imperial Palace, a towering fortress of white marble, glass, and gold, watching over the capital city, and the entire Imperium. 
We move into the city itself, through streets filled with goat-drawn carriages, cars, and buses, past factories spewing smoke with striking workers outside, through office buildings filled with corporate workers, past storefronts, cafes, theaters, and stadiums, until finally we find ourselves at a small bluecoat station with uniformed officers milling around outside. In the back of the station are a handful of jail cells. One holds a few well-dressed, giggling drunks. Another holds a man who insists loudly, over and over, that he didn't steal anything. And in the last, we find four individuals, recently arrested and waiting for bail. So I think that kind of like, actually I think tucked onto one of the bunks, like, in the corner, with her knees drawn up before her, is Arlene Graham. Um, she has dark brown eyes, fair skin with a scattering of freckles across her nose and cheeks, and a mouth that looks like it wants to smile. Her hair is cut in a very short curly bob. Um, it's kind of coppery. Uh, kind of those ones that, like, highlight the cheekbones and don't go much further than that. And from day to day, her clothing style kind of changes today. Um, she's got a boxy green tweed coat, which is currently open because she's inside and also trying to... You can't sit on the... on a seat like a normal person right now <laughs> and kind of a knee length skirt woolen stockings um her shoes are not currently on they're kind of like tossed across the cell and she's looking like extremely bored <laughs> echo as the only name she's known by is a very very tall slender woman and by tall i mean approaching seven feet but she's not bulky uh, she has very pale skin and blonde hair that is almost white, uh, done back in a short braid. She's dressed in a gray button-up shirt and a dark red tie and long black trousers. Uh, on her hands, she always wears black leather gloves. And about her shoulders is a heavy, long black trench coat. Right now, it's just sort of draped on her shoulders, and she doesn't have her arms in the sleeves. Instead, she's got them crossed over her chest. Um, she has a very neutral expression on her face, which is kind of the norm for her. She has gentle lips and soft eyes, but it's made a little weird by the fact that, despite the fact that she's leaning against the wall with her arms crossed in a very naturalistic pose... She is extremely still, like no involuntary motion still. And the fedora that she usually wears is on the bunk beside her. Whenever a blue coat passes the cell, she just follows them with her head very softly and quietly, but very uniformly. And what little expression can be seen on her face seems to indicate she's enjoying kind of fucking with them. <laughs> but she's not really saying much. She's quiet. Uh, next you will see, probably sitting on one of the bunks, very uncomfortably as well, uh, would be uh, a very, very tall uh, Tecarosi woman fitted in a dark suit with two small horns that look like they're growing rather freshly. 
and uh, her body is scattered with red scales, especially on the forehead and around her sharp blackened eyes and cheekbones and, of course, all over her uh, digitigrated legs. And she has uh, sharp talons, long, curly, but especially stylized hair, which is this red-black ombre, red being her natural hair color. And finally, she has this long noodle-like tail, which is noticeably been docked incorrectly. So there is no possible fur-like growth. It's simply just an ugly tail. And uh, her aura radiates gaslight gatekeep girl boss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and what is uh, her name? Oh, yes. Her name is Darling Setting. So... Sitting on the floor, you know, with their arms propped up against their knees, is a non-binary person in their, looks to be about their early to mid-60s, and their name is uh, Valerie Sullivan. And the way that they present is they're very fashionable, very on the pulse as far as the current looks and trends go. They have some very glam-style makeup, but very uh, masculine-presented clothing, um, they're currently, I think, wearing uh, suspenders with, you know, some pants that are uh, rolled up to the knee with some, you know, just high socks, uh, probably a vest as well um, in some kind of tie or bow tie. And they have short cropped uh, graying hair with some, you know, white strands in it, a couple beauty marks on their face and uh, some a deep like plum slash wine kind of colored lipstick. This is, you know, someone that absolutely looks like someone who would be, like, out on the town, very in their element, just, you know, being kind of glitzy, but in their, you know, own unique kind of way. You all are such a damn good-looking group. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I'm mad about it. Jesus. So good. I'm not. I'm proud of everybody. (laughs) This is so good. So... The four of you are sitting around in this cell. You've been here uh, for probably about six or eight hours. There's not a clock in here, so you're not sure exactly how long. But you got picked up last night and have been waiting here uh, for a while. But fortunately, your wait is over. Uh, A couple blue coats come up, and one of them starts to unlock the door to your cell. uh, And she says... All right, your bail's been paid. Uh, your ride is waiting out front. Uh, don't do it again, etc. Much obliged. As she's finishing the last words of that, Echo has already slipped her arms into her trench coat and is moving past her. Just yep. like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, door slides open with a clang. Um, the the other blue coat who was there. Uh, we'll we'll lead the four of you um, up to the front of the station. <laughs> Can I just say that there's definitely a moment like Arlene definitely is like lagging behind for a second because she has to stop and like shove her feet into her shoes <laughs> and like put her coat on. <laughs> just imagine like hopping down the hall yeah. trying to get your your foot into your shoe. Yes. <laughs> So you're all brought up to the front of the station. Uh, your your belongings that were confiscated the the night before are returned to you. Um, I think some things are jumbled up. You probably have to pass things back to each other. I think Val 
when they get their belongings back, just starts fishing into the pockets of one of their jackets and returns their hand back as if to make a, you know, a handshake to the blue coat, looks them straight in the eye and be like, you'll make sure this doesn't get out, right? Yeah, uh, Miss Barsati, uh, was very generous in paying your bail. Very good. And, uh, they're gonna wink as they, you know, slip a bill in their hand. <laughs> yeah, the, the blue coat, uh, shakes and, uh, smile gets a little bigger and will will nod back and then, yeah, they, their hand just slips into their pocket. <laughs> Darling has been pouting this whole time. She is very, very, very visually upset, or rather embarrassed, and so when she's Aww. getting her things back, she'll be like, Yes, yes, the white feathered boa, that is mine, that is mine, please hand it back. Oh, it's missing a few things, that's fine. It's not like it was irreplaceable or anything. And she'll put it on and simply turn around and leave with 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 as much um puffy grace as as a snobby bitch can <laughs> <laughs> i think arlene catches up and just kind of like touches her elbow lightly and gives her like a little smile <sighs> and then and then you, you she darling will just kind of like lick her like her own thumb and wipe your where where there's a dirt smudge on your 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 cheek a Darling. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we spent a night with pigs. It doesn't mean we have to look like we walked out of a pigsty. <laughs> I mean, we did. <laughs> mm, yes, but I'd rather not look like it. Echo, for her part, is having like the reverse of that scene in the movie where a character keeps removing new weapons from their. <laughs> Except, except it's not weapons, it's pouches of bolts and wrenches and tools that aren't really recognizable and probably confuse the blue coats a lot. And she's <laughs> just finding new places in her big long trench coat to slide and hang these little pouches, so it looks like they're not in there. It's a wonder she doesn't, the cloak doesn't like clank, but I guess that's part of the heavy thickness of it is so there's no sound. Um, so she was first out of the cell and last out of the station, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so with the four of you make your way out of the station, down the steps, and uh, waiting in the street uh, is a um, fairly sizable not top of the line, but still fairly nice um, black car. Leaning against the passenger side door with her arms crossed is uh, your handler, Bailey Barsati. Bailey is uh, an Akarosian woman, uh, light skin, uh, short, dark, curly brown hair. Um, she keeps cut uh, quite, quite short. She is uh, short and fat and very beautiful. She has gotten in romantically involved with uh, half the enforcers in the gang, and the other half are hoping that they're next. She is rarely seen outside of her perfectly tailored uh, three-piece suits, uh, and that is, in fact, what she's wearing right now. Uh, arms are crossed, and she looks rather thoroughly unimpressed with the four of you as you're coming down the stairs. Uh, and in the back seat, uh, head poking out of the window is Pearl. Why don't you tell us about Pearl? <laughs> Pearl is a very large, 
I want to say semi-adult because she's technically young, but would count as an adult, I guess, for, for, for them. Uh, umbral tiger, yes. And what do umbral tigers look like? Like a, like ghost tigers. Like a, like, like more like, I would assume tiger sized, but I guess they would look more like panthers, really, right? And yeah, with, with, I guess, some noticeable whiter stripes or lighter stripes, but, but it's all them dark shade tones. We match every yeah. single time we leave together. <laughs> well, black goes with everything, so. Mm-hmm. And, um, Oh, no, I was going to say, the minute I see Pearl, I go, I just raise my hands and just go, Mama's here, darling, come here. Pearl tries to climb through the window, but is a little too big, so Bailey, like, rolls her eyes, leans over, open the door, and Pearl will will lope over to you and give you an affectionate headbutt, and Bailey just heaves aside and is like, yes, the cat is fine. I got your car from the impound lot. It's back at the garage. All in one piece, I hope. Uh, I mean, I could drive it, sort of. Good. There goes my hopes for getting a different model. (laughs) I don't need to hear it from you, doll. Alrighty. (laughs) The Drake's a fine car. Uh, Bailey kind of makes a face. Uh, Boss wants to talk to all of you, so uh, pile in. Oh, won't that be fun? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a real treat. I'm sure they just want to congratulate us on a great job and getting out of prison. Bailey just has to crane her neck back because you're like a probably a good at least 18 inches taller, if not more. Uh-huh. It's just like, yeah, that's definitely what he wants to talk to you about. Um, and then just walks around and, and gets in the driver's side. Echo, in return, tries to flutter her eyelids, but can't really. Like, she just can't move them that fast. So instead, she Mm. puts her hand to her cheek and is like, ain't I a stinker? But it's a very (laughs) smooth pose that contrasts with her kind of super soft composure. (laughs) So everybody piles in. I imagine that Pearl is just sprawled across a few people's laps. Uh, Who has Pearl's butt? Who gets Mm -hmm. the tail? Well, (laughs) certainly not me. I have the head. Arlene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you all pile into the car and Bailey will drive you off into the city. Uh, uh, You you were picked up uh, in Veldare Hill which is one of the, the many districts in Imperial City. Vildare Hill uh, is home to a number of residences, businesses, one of the uh, colleges of Imperial City, uh, and a blue coat station where you all spent the night. It's about mid-morning, um, and as you, you drive through the, the streets, traffic isn't too bad. And there are a fair number of people out on the street, a lot of uh, what looks like college students making their way to and from classes. Uh, there is already uh, a group of uh, Electric Cross fans uh, pre-gaming for the, uh, the game later this afternoon. Go Thundergoats! <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it is a Thundergoats game. There's a lot of Thundergoats fans out. 
people say that the the Thunder Goats fans make up for their team's consistent losing by uh, making any game day uh, a, a party day. They start drinking early and finish drinking late. Well, uh, of course, officially not drinking because that would be illegal and a crime. And these are all good law-abiding citizens who would never touch alcohol. Of course. Those people are just very excited, and that's why they're stumbling around and laughing. <laughs> uh, and from there, you, you drive down uh, into Corvus Row, uh, which clearly transforms from a, a sort of mixed residential college town type area into uh, more of a, a business and market district. There's uh, a lot of new construction happening, new taller buildings going in, lots of businesses uh, ranging from just small individual storefronts to uh, big warehouses, uh, big shopping centers. And you eventually pull up outside of uh, the Nightcaps warehouse. The Nightcaps, about a decade or so ago, ran a, a fairly well-known, fairly profitable distillery here. But then uh, the immortal emperor, in his infinite wisdom, advised by the ministers of the Imperium, determined that alcohol and the consumption thereof was a bane to productivity. And we couldn't have that. Nothing should interfere with the prosperity of the empire. And so, an empire-wide prohibition on the production and sale of alcohol was instituted. And the Nightcaps, uh, as a great many organizations did, adapted. They, they continued producing alcohol, uh, just in secret now. So, while officially the Nightcaps just run a warehouse, you all know that their distillery is constantly at work beneath the warehouse proper. So Bailey parks the car out front uh, and gets out and, and leads you into the warehouse and over to the, the very back where the nightcaps leader has his office. She knocks uh, and, and like pokes her head in and says, uh, hey, granddad, I'm uh, back with the, uh, with the whiskey jays. And you hear a... <sighs> Yeah, send them in. So Bailey will push the door open and gesture for you all to enter. Hiya, Benny. The man sitting behind the, the desk in this office kind of gives Vala a curt nod. It's a nice office. Nice wooden desk, wood paneling. There's some uh, paintings and framed photographs on the wall. One of the photographs is uh, a, a picture of a... a a somewhat younger-looking version of the man behind the desk with a much younger version of, of Bailey. She looks like she's probably a preteen. Oh, You know, it, it looks like it could be really kind of any corporate office, um, except for the... Uh, well, it looks like a baseball bat, but uh, you all know kind of from the heft of it that it's just a solid piece of metal propped up next to his desk. It's always there. This isn't a particular threat against any of you, but it's just kind of a reminder that Benny Barsotti, uh, while he may be a mafia leader and businessman, frankly, at this point, uh, came by his nickname of the Bruiser, honestly. So he waits for all of you to filter in, and Bailey pulls the door shut behind you. 
with her outside. And he looks over the four of you for a moment and then says, So you all fucked up. We did. I, I won't deny it. That was a lot of our product that the Bluecoats have smashed and poured down the drain. I'm trying to think of a way I can spin this. Did, did we, out of character, Game Master, we didn't recover any of that, did we? You Basically what happened is you all were doing a, a run with a lot of whiskey and got busted by the cops and they threw you in jail, impounded your car, uh, and just took all of the whiskey and dumped it. So you you saved nothing. On the plus side, Shadow Fields is probably our friends now. I don't think they dumped it in a way that's going to make it easily consumable by the folks down there. But it's a nice thought. What can we do to make it up for you? An extremely drunk dog in Shadow Fields is now our friend. <laughs> Val, asking the relevant question, what can you do to make it up to me? Well, I have calculated the cost of the contraband. And you all owe us 12 coin. Now, as a point of reference, 10 coin is like selling a small house. So 12 coin is a lot of money. 12? What was the whiskey made of? Solid gold? So Darling could sell her place and it still wouldn't cover it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, speaking <laughs> speaking of darling, y'all see her eyebrow visibly visibly twitch uh, involuntarily <laughs> at at the at the mention of owing and prices. Yeah. <laughs> so once you all repay us for the money that you've cost us, then I will consider it water under the bridge. But until then, you're on the hook. And if you don't pay, if you try to skip out on your bills, there will be consequences. Loud and clear. Since we're clear on that, and his his demeanor kind of changes very quickly from, I'm gonna fucking eat your faces, to, you know, affable businessman. I do have a task for you that hopefully you'll handle better. I need you to swing by, uh... Hops and robbers. I forgot. Oh, Sorry, I had to pause for a second because that hurt me. <laughs> we just to took two psychic damage. I did. Yeah, that was painful. You you allowed this. I did. You had veto power. I, I did, but here's the thing. It's such, like, it is 100% a brewery name. <laughs> Rhea's been hurt by breweries in the past. I need you all to swing by Hops and Robbers, pick up some cases of their beer, and uh, just bring it back to our warehouses here for distribution. Nice, simple, easy, should be hard to fuck up. I don't know, boss. After so long behind bars, we might be changed people. She doesn't mean that. Throughout all the wisecracking, Echo's face doesn't yeah. change <laughs> at all. At I all. I love Echo already. <laughs> How much beer do you want? I'm a, I'm aware, Val. Uh, Gatwell's got the the amount set aside. He knows how much to give you. And, uh, well, I figure you all will need a day or so to get yourselves back in order after your 
trying ordeal. He like looks at Echo as he says that. <laughs> so I'll tell him to expect you tomorrow night. Works for us. Uh, you'll get paid as usual, although if you'd like to uh, put any of that payment towards your debt, you can do that once the job's done. Very well. All right. Get out of here. All right. Like, make shooing motions with his hands. It won't happen again. Better not. Thanks, Benny. Kind of gives you a little salute as you, you all file out. Well, that could have been worse. <laughs> Bailey is just kind of out there and, and nods and is like, yeah, definitely could have been a lot worse. But uh, here, she reaches into a, a, the inside pocket of her jacket and takes out um, like train passes and is like, here, get yourselves home. You know, let me know if you need anything, as usual. Uh, but otherwise, I got business to take care of here. Okay, take it easy, Bales. Echo waves stiffly. Did Pearl come in with you all, or did Pearl wait in the no, car? No, Pearl comes in, Pearl comes out. This is how it works. Okay. I must walk my cat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, so Bailey will will lean down and, and give Pearl a, a scritch on the head. Like, all right, see you all around. Try not to get arrested again. Will do. There go my hopes of fixing up the glam drink, or the drake as you call it. Listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Sure, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's still perfectly fine and working. Yes, but glam drinks are perfect for show pieces. We can't have it breaking down on the job. Yeah, that's why I always tune it up. It's fine. We don't need to, like, get into all the nitty-gritty and the bolts and the- Listen, I know you want to tinker with it, I know, but it's just- you it's mean my why car. I have to I have to fix it up? No. <laughs> no, I'm the one who fixes it up. You don't touch that car. <laughs> Echo constantly touches the car. <laughs> it's not like my hands get dirty. It's it's not about your hands. I don't care about your fingernails, doll. It's that I don't like it when other people touch my car. It's it's not personal. Just just don't touch it. I I have it under control, really. Repeat that again, Echo. Your hands don't get dirty. Well, they can get dirty, but they are easy to keep clean. Everything gets... gets dirty? No, no one speaks to me. I haven't had a bath yet, or my morning coffee, or my afternoon tea. I'm leaving. Goodbye! (laughs) (laughs) Bye, da. So, what I'm picturing, though, is that Darling, like, swans off, but you all end up at the same, like... Subway station, anyway. <laughs> That's exact. It's exactly what happens. But I have to announce that I'm leaving, so you know that I'm leaving. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think in Corvus Row, uh, the the subway here is a subway. It starts off underground, and since it is about uh, mid morning, it's it's not too busy. Um, you definitely get a lot of looks because of the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a couple like uh subway employees that are kind of like standing off to one side whispering to each other and it's clear that they're debating like should we go say something i feel like we should say something but also it's a tiger and i just i don't i don't get we don't get paid enough man i'm not i'm not <laughs> when so- <laughs> i the, when i notice and then i look at pearl and i look back at them and i look back at pearl and then it dawns on me 
oh, I don't have her leash on. And I just pull the leash out and, and I snap it out. There you go. You know you can't walk your tiger unleashed. That's how accidents happen. You got to keep your pet on a leash, darling. I think Arlene turns to the nearest unnerved people and is like, don't worry, she's a big softie. Real friendly. Just don't mess with her. Yeah, no, no, wasn't, was not, was not going to mess with her. Uh, thank thank you, ma'am, for putting on the leash. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. It was, it was clearly my fault. And they both, like, retreat back into the little ticket stand and are just clearly staying there until you go away. <laughs> I straight up look at Pearl like, why didn't you tell me I didn't put your leash on? We're, we're telepathically linked. You should remind me of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pearl is probably watching, like, a rat scurry down the side of the tracks. No, don't eat that. You have no idea where it's been. <laughs> we take the premium wraps only. The The subway rattles up. You all pile on and head out uh, back towards your, your various homes over in Kestrel Heights, uh, which is on the... Uh, downslope side of the city. Imperial City is built on uh, a, a large cliff overlooking the bay. Um, but it, it sort of, the whole cliff slopes down towards the bay. And so Kestrel Heights is uh, closer to the docks, not not at the, the elevated heights uh, of some of the other fancier, wealthier districts. As, as the train moves along the tracks uh it eventually comes out of the cliff essentially as the uh ground slopes away and it goes from being a subway to being an elevated train and so you all can look out the windows at the uh skyscrapers the streets uh you can see glimpses of the the dock and the ships in the bay uh, until eventually, uh, you, you pass into Kestrel Heights and, uh, ha- make it all the way out to the, uh, riverside neighborhood of Kieran Cove, uh, which is where most of you live and have your base of operations set up. On the train, I think Echo gently reaches out a hand to pet Pearl and is like, kind of murmurs very quietly. Are you letting me pet you yet? I think Pearl is still getting used to you, especially your uh, hand. So if anything, it's like one lick, one nip at like your finger just to make sure she knows what it is. And she'll just, she'll let you once or twice. Echo seems silently pleased at this and then is like, okay, we'll work on it. (laughs) It's progress. All right, so you make it back to to your stop. Are are folks heading off to their respective homes first? Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, yes, but Echo lives at the hideout, so yes, <laughs> yeah. And I think Val is headed to the garage to just do a once over on the car. Yeah. How about Arlene? Where's she headed? I think she's been cooped up for a while, so she's just burning energy. She's gonna go for a walk. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Darlene and Pearl head off for their home. Arlene just strikes out down the street, and Echo and Val head for the uh, garage, which, if I recall correctly, let me pull up the uh, the crew sheet. It's uh, it's an underground garage, 
right? Mm-hmm. We'd put it in a, it's like a cave. I imagine there's like a small business kiosk or building up top next to like yeah. a ramp that leads down. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is how, how do you, how do you access it? So I imagine there's like stairs maybe in the, uh, in the little businessy area. Yeah. Random detail. Uh, the staircase that leads down from the the storefront essentially is a, a rot spiral staircase, clearly transplanted for, transplanted from somewhere else, and doesn't really fit the aesthetic here. <laughs> yes, I love it. Who slides down it? I don't. Yeah, I don't think Val does. It- <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. I feel like at least one person in this group routinely slides down the I feel spiral like staircase. Arlene- watches Echo do it once and then just like follows her and is like catch me (laughs) (laughs) oh yay (laughs) oh that's cute (laughs) and the the shop front is not open it has been closed (laughs) for a while because it's not actually a functioning public garage it's just uh your your lair so uh I think let's let's start there with uh Val and Echo, as the two of you head down the stairs into the garage. What does the garage look like? I kind of like the idea of it being furnished, but this clashing with a lot of it. Like, I imagine there's a lot of exposed stone walls because it's underground, right? So I like Mm -hmm. the idea of this big, plush, silky couch up against this fucking cave wall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I imagine Darling would want to make sure that if if she has to be here, she will be here in comfort. <laughs> At the same time, though, I really like the idea of like random pieces of furniture being like thrifted or secondhand, or like somebody obviously oh, left yeah. this like mm-hmm. out on the sidewalk, and mm-hmm. somebody's just like, "Oh, that'd be good for the lair," and um, it, it's just a real clash. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of just a bunch of yeah mismatched odds and ends. Yeah. yeah, it's a very it, it's it's like low budget bat cave. <laughs> yeah, Josie, how does uh since since Echo is kind of the main mechanic for the crew, uh, and since Echo lives here, um, what is kind of the like workspace set up like? How does that look? Well, thinking back to garages, I know like the ramp just kind of leads into a work area. I think it's pretty small, so it's just a stretch um, where the pavement kind of comes down and then turns into uh, metal plating. And then, like, one or two parking spots off to the side for other cars that are probably really filled with different junk. Mm -hmm. And then kind of cordoned off in the middle of the room near that section is, like, a very seemingly disorganized array of toolboxes of varying heights and uh cables that either come out from underneath the plating or from uh the other room where where echo usually stays leading over to like power tools or hook up vehicles that might require ectoplasm uh stuff like that yeah i'm also imagining that like most of the room is lit with just like it wouldn't be fluorescent lighting, but just kind of like real harsh, unpleasant, like bare bulbs, except there's like over in like wherever the little si- sitting area is set up, there's a couple like really nice, fancy yeah. Do we have sconces? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
And Kim? Yeah. Tell me about the car. Yeah. So the Glam Dring is uh, also called the Drake, is out of context for. Sorry, you first. Yeah, I was going to say to to clarify, uh, Glam Dring is a the the model of car. Yes. Uh, that that we're going with here, uh, or at least the brand. Right. Yeah. Glam Dring yeah, is the, the brand. Yeah, the brand of the car, and the make is a Drake. Did not intend yes. for that to rhyme. But anyways. <laughs> Out of context for our real world, the Drake uh, resembles somewhat of a 1920s slash 1930s Bentley, and it's uh, like a pastel minty green, bluish teal color, and it has, you know, one of those convertible uh, roofs that, you know, just you can push down, like, towards the trunk. What color's that roof? Uh, Black, just basic black, Um, and like a black leather interior. Um, It has... You know, those, like, two spotlights for, like, headlights that are just very round um, on top of that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, tall face, like, right at the top of the car. I'm not a car person. This is so hard to describe. But (laughs) no worries. um, It's a little, like, much like Val themselves, it's a little worn down. Um, They've had this car for a long time. And, like, back in its heyday, maybe, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this was the it car. And, like, it's still a pretty popular car, but... You know, it's, you know, the paint's probably chipping a little bit, and the tires could probably use some extra air. It probably rumbles in a certain way that's slightly concerning, but, like, it still works. It's still, it still it is operable. It it gets the job done. It's a sturdy, sturdy boy. I think that there's clear, like, tire skid marks on the, uh, the pavement, um, as if the person who last was driving this in, uh, was having a little trouble with the brakes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who w- and came to a very sharp, abrupt halt, uh, <laughs> because, uh, uh, Val is the only one Val is the, the Drake whisperer <laughs> Val is the only one who can get this car to work properly anybody else who tries to drive it is like what the fuck I've seen its interior I should know how this works it doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kim you said that Val was going to go check over the car what does Echo do I think Echo I, I think has some banter back and forth with Val about the car, but her normally like very even calm pace quickens a little bit as she plops her trench coat on a coat hanger and enters one of the side rooms that is her room. And people are allowed in there. It's not a secret to the other characters what's in there, but she kind of keeps the little uh, window covered. Um, and a lot of the big cables that lead over to the work area come from there. And she sort of rushes over into a side room after exchanging some banter, shuts the door. And then there's a rumbling sound, like, like an industrial air conditioner almost is running. Yeah. So let's uh, go over to darling. You're at home. You've had a bath. Pearl has probably also had a bath. Of course. Uh, what, what are you, what are you doing on this, this late morning now that you're back at home after a night in jail? Well, I've definitely taken a very nice long bath, given Pearl her nice long bath. I'm definitely in 
some sort of silk robe, uh, and I have the kettle on because, I, like I said, I haven't had my morning coffee nor my afternoon tea. So now I have to have some sort of beverage related to, related to caffeine uh, in order to function properly. Semi-properly. I'm still functional. I'm a, Darlene <laughs> is a functional gay, if anything. <laughs> what does your house look like? Mm, I believe it is semi, semi-nice, I will say. And, and by semi-nice, I mean it's probably on the smaller side, despite having like three to four bedrooms. So all of the decor will slowly clutter over time. We've got lots of lesbian houseplants by the window, (laughs) uh, basically growing onto the walls at this point. And and Darling's definitely had to like use rope and a stick and other, other adhesives to help it grow to its beautiful full length of however long it's going to grow. And um, we've got, Velvet curtains, very lush cushions. This is just the living room, too. You know, there's a chandelier (laughs) in here, too. Where did she get that from? We don't know yet, but she's very proud of this chandelier that she has to clean. Like, it's cleaned, but, like, getting it cleaned is definitely, like, hmm. It's a chore. I am- I love the houseplants. I'm curious how they're growing. Because this is a world that doesn't have a sun. Uh, Do you have radiant energy somehow set up in your home? Or there might be, there could be like plants or maybe, maybe they're mushrooms rather than house plants. So they don't need sunlight. Or just some other form of nocturnal plant. I'm sure those exist. Like, I mean, cave plants, you can probably just have on the surface in this world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Probably, there's definitely probably some some fake ones in there just for show and decor. (laughs) But in terms, there is definitely- Oh, there are some that can grow in darkness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, there are plants and and, and whatnot that can grow. Mushrooms, probably, yeah. Um, I I think it's fair to say that Darling probably actually grows mushrooms for when she wants to cook something. Uh, That would be nice. So- I think we'll we'll go from there uh, over to Arlene, who didn't go home, just struck off into the streets. Honestly, I think she's just kind of like walking along like the river in Kestrel Heights. Okay. Like, it's probably not set up as like a place to be walking necessarily, but she's just, she's just getting out some energy. I think she actually got some decent sleep in the bunk because she was probably allowed to stretch out and just sleep but now she's like i just i just gotta i gotta walk gotta yeah. do something and like you probably stopping with like you know street vendors to grab some food or something yeah so i think yeah walking along the the river um you can see there's there's a few bridges um that that lead across the the verdane river and one of the bridges uh kind of as as you're you're looking out uh you can see a a, a big big truck uh rattling across carrying a bunch of recently finished cars into Kestrel Heights and uh looking across the river to the ironworks district you can see you know the it's always dark here in this world and time that you live in but at least in some parts of the city, you can kind of make out some stars above Ironworks. They're just gone, completely 
disappeared behind uh, smoke and smog. Uh, and then, you know, as, as you look up the river, you can see the lights of Copperlight Island strung up, uh, the, the Ferris wheel, the lights around the edge of, of the, the big carnival tents. Um, what do you think Arlene buys from, from these street vendors to, to munch on? I'm trying to think what street food. Meat on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with meat on a stick. You really can't go wrong with meat on a stick. So I think there's some of that. Maybe some, like, fried mushrooms or something. Ooh, yeah. Like, maybe fried mushrooms and, and eel. Yes. On a stick. Classic, classic Akorosian food. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, we, we see uh, Arlene just sort of wandering along and, and munching, uh, as enjoying the, the freedom uh, just as everybody else is, uh, before they have to come back together to start working on their next job. So the the Whiskey Jays spend some time recuperating from their brief stint in jail. Uh, and the the next, well, what what time do you, do you all think you get together for for to to start prepping for for this? Pretty straightforward smuggling job. You just have to go pick up some beer and drive it back to Corvus Row. I'm thinking like maybe 10 p.m. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So the the following night, you all gather uh, at the the garage. And actually, first, um, so this is a transport score. And I, I assume that you're using the car? Yeah. The Drake? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, what kind of loadout do each of you want to have? Uh, normal. Also normal. Normal. Yeah, normal. All right. So, have a normal amount of items for everyone. Let's start figuring out the engagement role. So, we've got, uh, one for luck. Uh, is this operation particularly bold or daring? Yeah. Nah, no. Nah, not really. But it's also not overly complex, so you don't take any... No negatives on that. Plans detail is not really exposing a vulnerability. Friends, you have gotten uh, your your friends or contacts. Uh, your your employers in the nightcaps have tipped you off about this job. By which I mean they told you to do this job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> enemies or rivals interfering in the operation. Yes. So that's minus one. So that zeroes out. Um, so this is just going to shake out to a a one a one die roll. So, woo, and that is a three. Mm. Good start, everyone. Awesome, so awesome, awesome, you're awesome. You're going to be in a desperate position when the action starts. So, Hops and Robbers, uh, the brewery, is uh, located down in the Docks District. Um, it is a fairly new acquisition by the Nightcaps. Just been kind of bought out in the last few months um previously uh, it was kind of a, a little independent criminal operation and the owner um you've never worked with the owner before um his name is anton gatwell and part of the reason that benny was so interested in bringing his operation on board is not just for the brewery but because uh gatwell is an ex blue coat and he is able to use his connections in the blue coats to basically make sure his little criminal enterprise can operate for free. And Benny is hoping that, you know, 
Gatwell can put in a good word for a lot of the other nightcaps operations and uh, cut down on the amount of money that he has to spend on bribes. (laughs) So the four of you, five with Pearl, pile into the car, uh, drive down to the docks, and... This is like, it's not right on the waterfront. It's a little, a little back, uh, into the city itself. There's just, you know, it's, it's an area where there's, uh, clubs and, uh, hotels and lots of speakeasies in this area. Not super actively p- patrolled by the police. So it's a little easier to, uh, get away with serving alcohol down here. And you you pull up uh, around back of where the the Hops and Robbers Brewery operates out of. What kind of business do we think that that they use as a, a front? Ooh, Hops and Robbers. See, a part of me wants to say laser tag, but we don't have that yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> my no. initial, my immediate thought was a pet store focused only on bunnies, which makes no sense. Do we even have I'm- bunnies? I don't know. I just heard hops and my brain was like, what else could that be a pun for? Oh, no. Oh, my God. What if it, what if it was a theater venue? Ooh. Okay, yeah. I like I like theater. So it's it's a theater that uh, every show is mysterious. Like, mo- majority of the shows are mysteriously canceled, and the ones that manage to be put on are terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> uh. But they have cool <laughs> effects. With, like, steam and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you pull up at the, the, the H&R Theater. On the H&R and block. <laughs> <laughs> and um, who who goes to, to knock on the back door? Uh, I think Val does. Okay. So, Val, you knock on the back door. There's a, a little bit of a delay before the, the door kind of cracks open. And you can see uh, a, a like middle-aged Akrosian man with like kind of slicked back black hair uh, peering out at you. And then he opens the door and is like, uh, hi, can I help you? Yeah, uh, we're looking for Gatwell. You heard of him? Uh, yeah, that's me. Oh. Who are you? Uh, we were sent by Benny. Mm, what did he send you for? Uh, just a quick pickup, drop off. He said you had some goods for us. Oh, I don't have anything. Not... He didn't tell me I was supposed to have anything prepped for you all. Really? See, that sounds kind of out of character for him. Yeah, you, uh... Well, you've, you've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just kind of... From the body language... Mm-hmm. I, you, you have a reason to suspect this, this man might not be being entirely honest with you. Yeah. All right. Um, listen, well, if you can't get us what we're looking for, and if... You are Gatwell. Can you get us to someone who can help us out? Because we're supposed to be here doing a job for him. Uh, no, I mean, I don't, I don't have any product ready. Come back in like a week or something. Uh, we need this by tonight. And I think, I'm gonna roll consort here. Um, I think. Okay. So, this is gonna be desperate. Oh, Jesus. Mark XP. Yeah, Mark XP. In, in Resolve, yep. Uh, sure. All right, I'm just going to go for it. Okay, I rolled a five and a six. Okay, so that's a six. So what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, I think I just, I just want to appeal to this guy a little bit. Like, if he has something to hide, I think Val's just going to approach and be like, hey, listen, if you're in trouble, we'll help you out. 
if you know you really truly don't have the stock and it was just a misunderstanding we understand but bunny really wanted this done by tonight it's really nothing major just a little bit of beer that he wants thrown up in the trunk uh just a like average amount like if you have anything at all that we can bring back to him even if it's like half the cut i think that'll be fine look i i'm sorry i really i don't have anything left left what did you use it all no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, for the there was a sh- there was a show, uh, and a lot of people came. Can you see living presences in the ghost field? Yeah, I think Echo, while this is going on, wants to take a peek and see if there's more than the usual number of people in the building behind him. Okay, yeah. I think just looking into the ghost. Well, no, I think that would be uh, uh, an attune roll. I think for this, it'll just be risky standard effect. Uh, so not desperate on this one? No, this this one, it doesn't really make sense to be desperate. And and uh, Kim rolled well on the last one. Gotcha. So things things are not spiraling wildly out of control. Yet. <laughs> I got a three. Oof. Okay. So something bad happens, but I do want to give you some information here as well. Let me think. And I think Echo's blue iris is just like, light up a little bit it's more like lights than like phantasmal ghosts yeah stuff so what what you see is that the place is emptier than you would expect there's there's only a couple people moving around uh besides gatwell which is odd especially if there was like a big show (laughs) that had tons of people here drinking all of his beer so that's weird in terms of the complication, I think I'm, maybe I'm just going to start a clock for, like, a ghost comes over to investigate you. Okay. Because you're, kind of you're kind of an odd presence in the ghost field. Yep. So we're going to say curious ghost. Uh, we're going to make that. So we have curious ghost, one out of four. That'll be our, our consequence there. A curious ghost is what you get when George gets too curious. No. It was also dead. <laughs> oh, no. Womp, <laughs> <laughs> womp. Um, okay. So, Darlene and Arlene, the two of you can tell, like, you all have been doing this smuggling thing for a bit. This transaction should not be taking this long. Like, the fact that Val is over here still, like, talking to this guy is weird. So if the two of you want to do anything, investigate, try and figure out what what's going on. I think Arlene's going to like kind of drift off because I assume she's been hanging towards the back of the group anyway. So she's going to try and like subtly drift off to try and find another way in. Okay. Yeah. Um, give me a... Probably a prowl. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a prowl roll. Um, I think this will be risky standard. Four. Okay. So, yeah, you um pretty easily find like a a back window that that is propped open uh that you can climb in through. Um I think the consequence is just going to be that you maybe there's something that she can't avoid landing on. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like the floor is just covered in stuff. Oh, okay. Here here's what I'm thinking. You 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 jump in and like the floor is just like wet because something spilled back here and you just slip and just bang your head on the floor. 
Ouch. Yeah, so that'll be... We're just going to call that level one harm, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and resist it, though. Okay. So um, you'll be resisting with prowess. So however many dice you have in that first row, go ahead. Oh, prowess is my good one. Four, so I'm going to take two stress. Okay, so you, yeah, yeah, you'll you'll take two stress to avoid that that harm. Uh, tell us how you you avoid slipping and falling and and bonking your head. So I think she she jumps down. She feels her foot go out from under her, and she just like very firmly puts her shoulders back against the wall, like quietly, but like with like a hand clutched over the open window. Yeah, sill. just brace yourself. Yeah, so. Uh, Darling, Take a deep there- breath, don't panic, and just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Darlene, is there anything you wanted to do at this juncture? So we've already essentially vibe-checked this guy, and... He's, he is lying like a liar. Lying like a liar. Who lies? I think what I would like to do is just kind of not push my way inside the house, but rather, um, it's my turn to talk <laughs> to him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> simply go, um... Who are you stalling for? Ooh, good. I like this angle. Give me a roll. What roll be this? Um, could I say me... this is consort? Um, I th- I think so because you're you're not being manipulative. You're you're asking for information. It sounds like a threat, but. I think that's just how Darlene talks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Everything it's Darlene a, sends sounds a little menacing. That's just that's just the the girl boss energy. Yeah, <laughs> and a little bit of the gatekeeping energy. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and uh, roll whatever you've got and consort. I think this is going to be um, risky standard. I got a four. Four. Okay. So you do it, but there is a consequence. So he he kind of looks around at the group of you that are here. He hasn't realized that uh, Arlene is is missing, and, and he kind of grimaces and it's just like, "All right, look, I'm. I know that this is going to put you all in a bad spot, but listen, the the brigantines reached out and they had a better deal for me, so I I sold them. You sold them. Yeah. How much did they pay? Uh, more than what Benny was offering. How, I'm getting at how much more. I'm trying to figure out now if we have to buy out the brigantines. Uh, he he will. I don't have an exact amount in mind, but he will. Yeah. He will quote a number that's like fifty percent more. Shit! Look, they they got here a little bit before you did. And you are aware of Benny's nickname, yes? I am not scared of Barsati. Then you should be very scared of me. Be a dear and tell us which way they went. I think give me a roll. Um, this sounds like a command. Okay, so he said command. I will roll for that. Do you want a picture? <laughs> <laughs> nope, I believe you. You get a six? I did. Okay. So uh, you you do it, um, and he just kind of makes a face and is like, uh, they were heading uh, east on Twenty uh, Second Street. Uh, I think heading for their uh, boats that they got down on the docks. All right, then I guess we're snatching these things out from under them. I'll start the car. No, you will not. <laughs> <laughs> Arlene, 
did you want to prowl around inside or do you just want to like come up behind this guy as this conversation is winding down so you hear what's going on? Yes, I think narratively I would like to do that. And then she is like, kind of like makes wide eyes over his shoulder at the group and like points back the way she came and like puts up a hand with two fingers like two minutes. Yeah. And she (laughs) slides back off the way she came. (laughs) I really love that visual. It's very good. Just, hi guys. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, He, he like retreats back into the the brewery, um, Arlene hops out a window and and I think I'm imagining just kind of jumps into the car as it's starting to move. Uh, and you all head And you broke faster than I thought. Yes. Well, Darling is scary. She is. I think she holds out her hand to Darlene for a high five. I I give you a high five. I've learned what <laughs> these are over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining it's like it's the the most delicate, refined high five. It's not like a slap. It's like you you just put your hand against hers. Yes, it's very gentle. Listen, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> neither of them high fives like a normal person. No. <laughs> it's, listen, it's really not that difficult. You just you just you know you put out your hand and then you know just just nice and solid. <laughs> you just you gotta you gotta commit. Well, I, I'm committing to touching you. I just don't want to apply force yet. But, but it's a it's a freaking high five. You don't have to think about it, Daw. To be fair, me and Darling both need to worry about the amount of force we put into a high five. Yes, you're all built so flimsy. Excuse <laughs> me, that we can't all be like amazing and tall and just completely armored and completely gorgeous. <laughs> Why, thank oh, you, Val. <laughs> Thank you for saying that I'm amazing. I mean, you want all. I, I was I was also talking about Da. Does this mean I get to drive the car? No. Sweetheart, if you want driving lessons, I'll get you a rental, but you're not touching my car. I know how to drive. Good for you. I'm glad you know how to drive. Still, I'm the only person who drives my car, because it's my car. I don't know what you're not picking up what I'm putting down here. We we need to get a Val certified license. <laughs> <laughs> It would be hard guys, one, doll. Hard one. Are you guys having this conversation as you're driving down? Yes. A- oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Somebody give me some kind of role to see if you can like pick up the the trail. <laughs> this, uh, I'm not good at survey. If this counts as a hunt, I do have a two. Yeah, hunt would be excellent here. You are tracking a target. Okay, so yeah, what did I think this will just be probably a risky standard? So what'd you get? Uh, we take the highest, right? Five. Five. Okay, so you do it, but consequence. So I think that the reason you're able to catch up or, or, or get, get sight of them is that they are in a, they don't have a car. Uh, they, they are in a, uh, a goat drawn wagon because the city is in this kind of weird transition state where cars are becoming more common, but they are not, they haven't fully overtaken. And particularly in areas uh, where there's just not as much money, a lot of people still use goat-drawn vehicles. As a point of reference, for those who may not be familiar, the goats in question here are not like your regular-sized goats that you would see on a farm. Um, these are uh, Acherosian 
draft goats, and they're the size of a horse. Fucking chonkers. Yes. I, I think you catch sight because they have, um, it's just like an open wagon, and you're able to see the, the crates that are stamped with your goddamn nightcaps logo on them being carted off down the street. Fuckers. <laughs> uh, darling, you, you, you spot this up ahead, and I am going to start a clock for you all catching up to them. Thanks for joining us. The Whiskey Jays will return in two weeks. The City That Never Dies is a Clever Corvids production. Visit our website at clevercorvids.net and follow us on Twitter at clever underscore corvids for the latest on this and other shows. The City That Never Dies is GM'd and edited by Ree. Check out her business, Skill Check, for copy editing and accessibility consulting for the RPG community at rpgskillcheck.net. Arlene Graham is played by Minna Riley. Find her on Twitter at MinaMinar. Darlene Serin is played by Aki. Find her on Twitter at Akinomi underscore art for more RPG content. Echo is played by Josie. Find her on Twitter at DragonGirlJosie and check out her art at Josie-Art.com. Valerie Sullivan is played by Kim. Find her on Twitter at KimDeannaJones. Our opening and closing theme music is from Something by Kai Engel and is used under a Creative Commons license. Blades in the Dark is the creation of John Harper and is published by Evil Hat Productions. Here's our very first Jumbotron message from Kickstarter backer Richard Kreutzlandry. A huge shout out to the Clever Corvids for setting a truly heist standard for Blades in the Dark AP content. Duskfall things considered, it's one of my favorite TTRPG groups. The Magpies was Avery great show, the nest around, and I'm so excited to hear Project Blue Jay. Thank you all. Richard is a friend of the show, and an absolute monster who paid good money to make me read all those puns live on air. Thanks, Richard! And thanks to all our patrons for their ongoing support of Clever Corvid's Productions. That was a lot of our product that the Blue Jays... Not the Blue Jays. <laughs> that the Blue... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you all should be proud that, that I haven't messed up any of the magpies with their former names yet. <laughs> it's going to happen. I am proud. <laughs>